conservative. I've, I've become a big fan. Hey, perfect. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. No, now we are. Now you know exactly what. Okay. Reset everything. Okay, my mic is going to come off and you're going to be off frame, so your mic is off as well. Talk to my friend Drew Allen. I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. We're about news, commentary, conversations, truth, liberty, and God. We stand for American values and our flag. We believe that the Constitution is a document that fortifies rights already given to us by our Creator. We will not apologize for our love of God and country, ever. We are Right America Media. He's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. One of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As Drew Allen. Conservative. I to this guy for wisdom. All righty. Welcome to the Drew Allen Show. This is Drew Allen, the millennial minister of truth. Back with you. I was out last week. Sick. Uh, but unfortunately for the left, I'm, I'm back. I'm a little nasally. I've got a little cold. Bear with me. Uh, but nonetheless, we will uh, devastate the left here as we usually do. Now, this is the first show leading out uh, the broadcast today. Uh, you've got a lot to look forward to. The Zelenko report with Ann Vandersteel after this. And then what else? We've got uh, Patriot Review, Loaded Mike, Patriot Review. Uh, we've got Everywhere home and then an inconvenient truth. So a, a great lineup today. Uh, you'll want to tune into those uh, great hosts as well. All right. Look, you know, <clears throat> let's just set the record straight here. <clears throat> the SVB bank failure. This is 
the latest indication that the Biden economy is an abject failure and we are in a heap of trouble. And there is much more bad news in front of us. And this basically destroys the, the propaganda from the Biden administration that keeps telling us that this economy is great, it's strong, we're building back better. We're not building back better. This SVB bank failure is, in fact, the canary in the coal mine. And obviously, we need to make some rational decisions here. Uh, obviously, it's not prudent for everyone to, to make a run on every bank. But because this is the reality, you know, we, we need to begin to understand, one, how these banks work to begin with. Uh, some of this isn't surprising. Some of it is. You know, no bank is, has the kind of liquidity. No bank is completely, you know, uh, I mean, every bank is insolvent. If everybody was to go and try and take their deposits out from any bank right now, well, you'd have the same crisis because banks don't operate that way. You put your money in and they make investments. And they loan it out. So the bank never has all of the money there, okay? So I want to put that out there first. Now, the, the media is full of lies. Now, the media wants you to believe that this is Trump's fault. They want you to believe that this is related to deregulation. This is the big word from the left, the communists, the Marxists, that want to control everything and regulate not banks. They want to regulate, regulate your life. They want to regulate you. That's what regulations really mean. The great regulators. And these great regulators are regulating our country and our economy into extinction. That's what's happening. So the Democrat Party, remember, if you've listened to this show before, you know there's a theme. I preach this day in and day out. If you want to understand the Marxist Democratic Party, the way they fundamentally operate, they create a crisis in order to present a solution and to claim that they have the solution, and then they force that solution, justify it, force it down your throat, demand it be passed and become law, which only exacerbates the problem and gives them additional power. This is why I tell you, the Democrats don't have solutions, because if the Democratic Party ever solved a crisis, they would cease to exist. Their entire justification for existing is to solve crises, so if they solve crises, you have no Democratic Party. It's why they stoke racism. That's why they continue to bring this up and, and, and they want to teach critical race theory. They want to stoke racism, perpetuate racism, because they need racism as a cudgel to divide the country and give themselves a reason to exist. Look at all the racism. We've caused it. We're teaching kids that they're racist based on their skin color upon birth. Now we've got to come in and fix it. The war on poverty. They exacerbate it. They perpetuate it. But it gives them a reason to exist and demand more of your money to then, you know, steal and fund all their other pet projects. Okay? So this is not Trump's fault, and it's not the result of deregulation. This bank was regulated. Uh, and in fact, you know, I, I looked at their, uh, their, their filing to the Security and Exchange Commission from 2021, and in fact, they talk about the regulation as a problem. This is 2021, long after the 2018 deregulation, you know, the bipartisan deregulation. And, and let me point something else out to you as well, because we need to be based in reality and fact and experience, not what the left says to us, which flies in the face of truth. What happened after the financial crisis that, of course, was 
caused by the Fed, right? They put a target out there and said, we want X amount, I think 70% of Americans to own homes. I think it was 64% or something before that. And so they put a target out there, the dream. Everyone has to own a home. So how do we do this? Well, there's a reason only 64% of people own homes right now, because other people can't afford the mortgages. And so you have the subprime mortgages. You have Fannie Mae, which is a government-private partnership, which means it's basically a government entity working on behalf of the government. So they inject a trillion dollars or whatever it is into the market. Other banks follow suit. They offer these, these mortgages, these loans, to potential home buyers who previously couldn't afford them. They would have been deemed high-risk loans before, knowing that they couldn't actually pay them, pay them back. And so they created this housing bubble. And when interest rates, interest rates rose, were lit, raised by the Fed, well, it popped because people couldn't afford them. The same things happen here. And so, you know, let me start with this, this, this article here, I think. Um, well, no, I think this is for my brain. But, <laughs> but anyway, so... Actually, let me do this. Let me do this because the New York Times, if you want to read back in August 25th, 2021, they already predicted essentially what was going to come. So this is from 2021, New York Times. They actually reported something correct. And now, of course, they're lying. So the economy is growing, right? It, it's claimed, Remember, this is August 25th, 2021. The, the economy had nowhere to go but up because slowly... Slowly, the government was lifting its boot off of our throats to allow us to go back to work. So, of course, the economy was going to grow. It was completely stagnant because were, we were shut down. So the economy is growing. Businesses are hiring. Stocks are marching ever higher. And banks are sitting on big piles of cash. If only they had a better place to put it. Lingering supply chain problems and anxiety over the potential for the Delta variant of the coronavirus to upend the economy again have pared back borrowing by businesses. And consumers flush with cash thanks to government stimulus efforts aren't borrowing heavily either. So remember, the bank's business is borrowing. So banks have largely been left to invest in one of the least lucrative assets around, government debt. Government debt. So you want to trace the source of all these economic woes to something really it's what the government did under the guise of the pandemic to wreck this economy and fundamentally transform it, okay? So just to give you an idea, where, where does the Fed even get its money from? Where does the Fed get its money from? Well, it can order the, the Treasury Department to print money. It does that. It doesn't really have any money. Its money is what comes from interest rates based on these, you know, basically, uh, um, uh, securities, for example, that they, they loan and give to these banks. So these banks were parking uh, their, their, their assets, essentially, investing them in these, in these bonds, government-backed bonds, right? So if you remember, before this recession and inflationary period that we're, we're experiencing now under this administration, we had zero interest rates. This was the policy of the Fed. And so a bank like Silicon Valley Bank, well, 
they had a bunch of a bunch of bonds that were given to them at the zero interest rate. And so there's really no incentive to to, to, to buy these bonds if it's a zero interest rate because you're not earning on it, right? So what they do is they deflate the value. Of the, so what they do is, so if you've got like a, a $1,000 bond, right? That's what's being offered at this zero interest rate. Well, the government will say, well, we'll sell it to you for $940. And then when it matures, you'll get a thousand bucks, okay? And so these are the types of bonds they had. Now, when they start raising interest rates, the bonds that are suddenly available are operating at the interest rate that the Fed has determined. So let's say it's five or 6%. Well, now you're earning five or 6% on these same bonds. And so in order to sell these bonds, you have to make it competitive with these better bonds. So you have to sell the bond that you have that you purchased under the zero interest rate at a, at a, at a, at a loss. So that's what's happening here. SVB, in order to shore up finances, because understand the relationship between these bond securities from the Fed that are given to these commercial banks. It's an inverse relationship. So as interest rates are raised, the bond value goes down. You lose money on the bond when the interest rate goes up. This is a problem for banks across the board. It's not just SVB. You have other banks that are suffering the same fate because they have these same bonds that have now been devalued because of inflation. And we are told time and time again that in order to combat you know, this economy, in order to fix things, the Fed has to raise interest rates. Well, there's a, there's a, a, a downside that's very dangerous to what they're doing with raising interest rates. And it's what happened to SVB Bank. It's been dissolved now. Now, look, yes, you, you can, it's, look, it's a fun talking point to say it's all about the wokeness. It's not all about the wokeness. I'm not trying to be, you know, uh, I don't know, unique here, something like that. I mean, I'm a conservative. I get the woke thing. I mean, the, part of the issue was SVB Bank wasn't diversified. I mean, it was, it was basically, look, Silicon Valley, I live in Northern California. Silicon Valley is not far from me, right? It's a small town. So SVB was, you know, whatever, the 17th largest bank or something in the country, right? This is the, the biggest, you know, failure since Washington Mutual, the second largest, you know, uh, you know, bank failure in history or whatever they call it. It's a big deal. They had a lot of assets. But they served a very tiny community for the most part, Silicon Valley. It was tech. All right? It was, uh, what else? What do they have these other names for? Anyway, Tech industry, they serve, you know, all these things. And, and the thing about these, these, these um, VRs, what are, what are they called, Captain? Um, not the angel investors. I just forget the name right now. If I, if I read into it, it'll come to me in a second. It's not that important, I guess. But anyway, you have all these... People, let, let, let me put it this way too. You, there's a lot of money in Silicon Valley. But just because you have money doesn't make you smart. You have a lot of very stupid people with money. And so if you ask smart investors, you know, you don't park. You've got, you had big corporations that parked something like $200 million in this one bank. That's so stupid. You don't do that anywhere. Even, even my own family, myself, you know, 
We don't park everything we have in one bank. It's in different locations. It's called diversifying your portfolio. All right. And so you had both ignorant uh, individuals that were invested in these in these these in this bank at SVB, and you had ignorant people that were managing the bank to begin with. So this is the problem. So at the end of the day, none of this would have happened, though. All right. Despite the the, the very serious problem that SVB Bank was in, because it had to 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 it had to sell its bonds at a lower price for a loss to shore up its books because it has to meet certain regulation, certain regulations imposed upon them as well. But, 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 you know, they knew they had a problem for a long time and you do have the crooked element of this, which is, you know, uh, the executive selling stocks ahead of this to make money, paying off bonuses, venture capitalists. Thanks, Captain. That's the word I was trying to think of the venture capitalists. These, these venture capitalists with a ton of money. Um, and so, well, <clears throat> my train of thought, Captain. So you have, well, we'll, we'll come back to it. So, I, you know, what, let's do this. Play, play this clip of Charles Payne. Charles Payne nails it on, um, on Fox News. And this, he speaks more truth here about what's really going on because Biden is out there and Yellen is out there yelling about the fact that, oh, yes, this will not cost the taxpayer a penny. They're not going to bear it. That's a lie. You're a stupid person if you believe this isn't going to cost the taxpayer any money. Absolutely, it's going to cost the taxpayer. Not only is the Fed violating its own rules, right? So you have funds set up that are supposed to insure up to $250,000 worth of deposits, right? So that's what's insured. That's what they have the money to cover. So the Fed's coming in with SVB, and now they're saying, you know what, we know that was the rule, but screw it, we're throwing it out the window. We're actually going to insure every penny that was invested in that bank, every depositor, every penny that a depositor had, even if they were worth a billion dollars and had $100 million in there, we're going to insure that $100 million and make sure they are made whole. This is a bailout that will be paid for in one way or another by the American taxpayer, because there isn't... The finances don't exist in this fund to cover this. So if they impose this on other banks and they they say, oh, well, here's fees that we're gonna we're gonna put on the bank, what happens then? This is economics 101. It gets passed on to the consumer. So the, the banks aren't gonna take a hit for uh, you know two hundred billion dollars across the board to bail out SVB. You think they're gonna take that and under no. They're gonna impose other fees. It's going to be passed on to you and me. So we are paying for this up the nose. So go ahead. So you've got SVB, which is what? It's where a bunch of Democrat donors have their money parked. It's where a bunch of Democrat donors invest in companies. It's run by a bunch of Democrats. And so you have Democrats now, the Biden administration, bailing out rich Democrats. And that's what's going on. And really... From a strategic perspective, from the strategic side of me, this is what we should be pushing all day long. Forget the woke stuff for a second. This is about the hypocrisy of the Democratic Party, which claims that they are for the little guy. And they claim all day long the Republicans are the party of Wall Street. Republicans are the party of the rich. We only want to help the rich. They are not bailing out the poor 
What, what, what poor people have over $250,000 in, in, in a bank? Do you know anybody? Is that a poor person? No. The average bank account, I think, is like $9,000 somebody has in a bank. It's pitiful in America right now. The individual family's financial situation and circumstance is horrendous. And that's the truth. This economy sucks. And it's on the downward. I mean, it is spiraling out of control. And we're supposed to be, and really the, the, the Biden administration is just covering their AWSs right now. They, they halted trading with banks. You could say, well, that's a good thing, Drew. You know, we, don't, we want to protect the economy. No, because the reality is we're kicking the can down the road. And basically this bomb is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and it's going to explode and it's not going to be able to be contained anymore. SVB was a landmine. It's a landmine on the landscape of America right now in terms of our disastrous, dangerous economy and perilous circumstance. And what the Biden administration is saying is, hey, we're all taking a walk in a minefield. A mine blows up next to us. And they say, don't worry. It's just it's just one mine. We've contained it. Just keep walking through the minefield. This won't happen again. It's 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 a suicide mission. It's what's going on. So go ahead and play that cut, Captain. Cut one, Charles Payne, then I'll comment. But this is an irresponsible, reckless bank. But it's and let, let's let's be clear. The, the American public must know every account in this country is insured to two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Every single account. This was not about bailing out small accounts, regular Americans. The mean bank account in this country is forty one thousand dollars. You want to go by, uh, uh, so if you look at, for instance, the average bank account for someone without a high school diploma, 9000 bucks. Bachelor's degree, 79000 bucks. This is another bailout of the elites. This is a bailout of Silicon Valley, the same Silicon Valley that just brought a Sam Bankman-Fried. The Silicon Valley that for 20 years grew companies privately to exorbitant valuations, outrageous valuations, and then foisted them on the public at an even higher valuations. Mm-hmm. They have made they have made so much money. I mean, only only the Saudi Arabian princes can, can <laughs> deal with the amount of money that they've made. Who do you think are who do you think bids against each other for the world's biggest yacht? Mm-hmm. Who bought the Maltese Falcon? I mean, this is what I'm talking about. So Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant Charles Payne. Really, really uh, the greatest analysis of this I've heard because he's speaking the truth. He's speaking the truth. And, you know, the left is out there trying to act like somebody like Charles Payne or myself, who's just trying to alert people about the reality that we're going to we want we want this crisis in the economy. We want bank runs all over America because we just want to stick it to Joe Biden. That's not true. That's not true at all. They want to hide from you what they've done to the economy. Under these, look, think about what they did with the Inflation Reduction Act. Think about what they did. They lied. They intentionally misnamed it, the Inflation Reduction Act, to create confusion, to prevent people from discussing it or condemning it or rejecting it because they say, how can you turn down this inflation? We have to address inflation. So we need to pass the Inflation Reduction Act. These Marxists are sick. They're sick. And you have to understand their tactics. You have to understand what they do. And then we find out the Inflation Reduction Act had nothing to do with addressing inflation. As soon as it passed, every Democrat, everyone who was involved with it, even Joe Manchin came out, oh, I didn't know that it was about the Green New Deal. I didn't know it was about providing trillions of dollars, injecting it into, you know, creating wind turbines and solar energy and destroying the gas 
an oil sector in America. I mean, he's, he's, he's depleting the strategic petroleum reserves under the guise of lowering prices. I mean, th- I am trying to explain to people that this is by design. None of this is accidental. This is happening on purpose. It's what they want. And it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. Now, I found the article, one of the things I wanted to share with you, about how their regulations actually work in practice. So after the, you know, 08, you know, I remember, Captain, I graduated college in 2009. And it was amidst this, you know, the, 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 you know this major financial crisis in America, right? And I, I moved to New York City. Yeah, I, I think I graduated, you know, whatever. I, when, when was that? April, May. And then I went home for a month. And I moved straight to Manhattan. I had a, a pre-war apartment, East 62nd, between 1st and 2nd Streets. My roommate, we had bunk beds from Ikea. He was six foot seven. He didn't fit on the bunk beds. It was cramped. I lived the, the New York dream, right? You know, I, and I, was, I was poor. I just graduated from college. And I was acting at the time. I had an uh, agent, and uh, I was involved in that scene, doing theater mainly and things like that. But, you know, to pay the bills, I had this temp agent. And one of the jobs that I got or had for a while that paid quite well and paid a lot of overtime was processing bankruptcy claims at Lehman Brothers. Remember, Lehman Brothers collapsed. So I was in New York City 2009, 2010, before I moved to Italy. And I would, I would walk down to whatever 50th or 40th something street. I forgot where it was there. Past the Bloomingdale's and all that down that road, past a lot of those well-known bars. And I, and I go in there. And actually, the office I was working in, it also housed the office of Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer, I don't know that he was ever there, but it also housed him. But anyway, I'm in this building, and I, I mean, I just rem- this is what I remember from that experience. The world was on fire, and I was just I was getting paid to process these bankruptcy claims. And it's very interesting, you know what, Captain? Because as the government creates all these regulatory branches, right? The FDIC, this and that. The re- see the regulations had the result of actually making it cost prohibitive for smaller businesses, smaller banks to operate. So those employees lose their jobs because of regulations. But you know who never ha- loses a job? The people working in the government for these regu- regulatory agencies. It's amazing. So Dodd-Frank, um, just, this is written you know, a, few, a couple of years ago. Just eight years after its passage, Dodd-Frank is unraveling. I think this is from the Cato Institute. Um, President Obama proclaimed, you know, after the, the 08 bailouts, uh, proclaimed confidently that this reform will help foster innovation, not hamper it. Unless your business model depends on cutting corners or bilking your customers, you've got nothing to fear from reform. You know what I, you know what I can't understand right now? These banks are the boogeymen, right? Private corporations, they're greedy, they're terrible. Let's just look at SVB for a second, because I want to make an important point about the stupidity of Democrats in this country. So you have Democrats right now who are saying, look, these greedy, corrupt people, and it's true. It's true. There, are, there, are, there were stupid people managing 
SVB Bank, Silicon Valley Bank. They contributed to this with their woke agenda, their poor investment choices, and so on and so forth. They saw interest rates going up, and they didn't take any action to try and change it. They just were frozen. Okay, so we can sit here and admit the management at SVB seems to be very corrupt. They sold off stocks ahead of time. They paid themselves out, knowing that the Titanic that is the SVP, SVB bank in this scenario was going down. And they want to make everyone whole. Everyone whole who had their money there, no matter if they were billionaires, millionaires, or, you know, I don't know, working at McDonald's and used SVB as a place to put their money. But what about the federal government, which is far more insolvent than any of these banks? You know, the debt here, whether it was $40 billion or $200 billion, the federal deficit that has been run up by irresponsible managers of our taxpayer money in Congress, it's over $30 trillion. It's an unfathomable, unfathomable number. So here we are having a discussion about these irresponsible people. They were irresponsible with the money, irresponsible with the investments, whether it's conservatives or Democrats, wherever you want to aim. And then we look at the federal government. Where's the conversation about the fact that these people made horrible investments? They've invested in the war on poverty, invested in the war on drugs, trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars that have only made things worse. Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, bankrupt programs, Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, which did what? Raised premiums, gave people worse health care that cost more. All of this stuff, Every day, a trillion here, we're sending 200 billion over to the Ukrainians for a war that has nothing to do with us. Infinite, infinite money just going everywhere. I mean, you look through these bills and it's amazing, you know, you got, uh, you know, 10 million here, 30 million there for, you know, trans mouse studies. You've got, you know, genital mutilation of cows. Let's see if we can, you know, turn this uterus into a penis. I don't know. I mean, this is the kind of stuff they're pissing our money away on. And where's the conversation about that irresponsibility? So we're upset when a bank is irresponsible with the money? When the biggest bank in the world, which is, you know, the U.S. government in terms of what they possess, both in terms of seizing our taxpayer money and also in terms of the deficit and debt they've accrued? There's no condemnation, no calls for them. How are we going to be made whole? Huh? Who's going to make us whole when this economy goes bottom up? Who's going to do it? Where's the money going to come from? This idea that, that this isn't going to cost the taxpayer just any money, again, is so ludicrous. The, ludic- the government doesn't have any money. The only money the government has is the money they steal from us. And they continue to, to d- demand more and more. Now, imagine for a moment that SVB Bank, right? Let, let's just say that they had this debt crisis, right? And they turned it to their depositors and their companies and they said, well, you guys just aren't putting enough money into the bank. We need more deposits. Would that not be an insane thing to suggest? That's what our federal government does every time. They don't have the money, despite taking in more tax revenue year after year after year. And what's their response when they run out of money or abuse it or misspend it or misallocate it? Or, or you know, it's just lost to fraud like the billions for the, the COVID bailouts. Oh, sorry. 
We don't know where the 200 billion went. <laughs> My bad. We're sorry. We lost 200 billion of your dollars. There's never consequences. And so when the, when the federal government acts in an irresponsible manner, just like this SVB bank, they don't come to us and say, oh my gosh, we got to, they say, you need to give us more money. It's your fault that we're in debt. It's sick and it's disturbing. And notice, you know, they're using words. I mean, here's what happened. Here's what pisses me off about the, the SVB thing too. Whether they were Republicans or, of course, Democrats mainly, who used SVB Bank, they knew they were, they knew they had a financial problem. And the reason we're in this mess is because of the run on the bank. Well, who caused the run on the bank? Who did it? It was the VCs. It was the people that were invested there. They caused the run on the bank. And they knew they were going to ba get bailed out. And so they're the ones who heighten the rhetoric. They're not Republicans. It's the Democrats. It's the VCs. It's the Silicon Valley crowd. They're the ones responsible for this too. This only happened because of them getting out ahead of this in the media and creating a crisis that got to this hyperbolic proportion that could have been avoided to demand that we bail them out. So now they're all made whole. They're not accountable for their poor decisions. They're not accountable for the mistakes they've made. Many of these companies were probably not going to have a future because they were not. Look, most businesses fail. That's capitalism. And I'm going to play a clip actually now of Biden because I want to show you exactly what the Democrat Party's up to right now in the Biden administration. Oh, they got plans, baby. And they're trying to be real coy about it. But they're not going to get it past me and you. Play, uh, well, you know what? Well, first play cut two. This is absurd. Blaming Donald Trump, right? It's always his fault. Cut two, Captain. Go. In my administration, no one, in my no one is above the law. And finally, we must reduce the risk of this happening again. During the Obama-Biden administration, we put in place tough requirements on banks like Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank including the Dodd-Frank law, to make sure that the crisis we saw in 2008 would not happen again. Unfortunately, the last administration rolled back some of these requirements. It's, 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 it's unforgivable what these propagandists are doing. Unforgivable the way they are shifting blame, not addressing this head-on, because like I said, they don't want to solve any of this. They like what's going on in secret. And by the way, Signature Bank, the second bank that we are bailing out after SVB, you know, this is remarkable. Barney Frank, right? The Dodd-Frank bill, right? The Dodd-Frank bill that was signed into law to regulate and prevent any kind of crisis in the future. Well, Barney Frank, one of the authors of that very bill that regulated this and was supposed to prevent this from happening, well, he sat on the board at Signature Bank. So you've got the author, the co-author of the Dodd-Frank bank regulation bill sitting on the board of Signature Bank and they go belly up. I mean, what else do you need to see to understand that this is bullcrap? I'm fired up, Captain. I've been sick for a week. Yes! Yes, 
Captain's right. Here's the other thing. Who's been in charge for the past two years? Donald Trump? No, no, no. He's been having his home raided in Mar-a-Lago. They've been trying to put him in jail. He's not making policy decisions. So what is this? Two years you've been in charge? You just didn't notice there were regulatory problems? Just like you claim, oh, we just, you know, we've been in here two years. We had, you know, <laughs> again, it goes back to this, Captain. They can, in their time machine, go back <clears throat> and see the spy balloons that the Trump administration missed while he was in office. But we missed the railroad <clears throat> deregulation and the bank deregulation that had bipartisan support. <clears throat> I can't. <clears throat> Pardon me. All right. <clears throat> so I, I want to I read this from uh, the article still. So Dodd-Frank was passed, right? And it was, it was the Dodd-Frank bill was a technocrat's dream, okay? That's what it was, a technocrat's dream. <clears throat> and here were the results. A decade after the downturn began, America's biggest financial institutions are larger than ever, accounting for 44% of all bank assets. Dodd-Frank, in fact, seems to have accelerated the decline of small U.S. banks by indiscriminately piling new regulatory restrictions on them. Bank entry, in particular, has grounded to a halt, with new bank charters falling from 100 a year pre-crisis to only six in the entire post-crash period. Meanwhile, 1,917 incumbent banks have disappeared as a result of merger or failure. <coughs> so, sink your teeth into that. All right, Captain, let's go to our sponsors briefly here, and then we'll be back, and we'll keep covering this and get into the Trump indictments coming up soon. That bullcrap. We are being censored. America's news outlets no longer provide the truth. 90% of news outlets in the United States are controlled by six corporations. They're not out to tell you the truth of what's happening. They're out to tell you the picture of the world that they represent. The mission of the Epoch Times is to chase the truth, to ground all statements and facts, and prevent people from being misled. The Epoch Times is independent. We're not controlled by any special interest, and we never will be. This is a battle, a battle between truth and deceit, a battle between forces that would ensnare this country in ignorance and between a media that wants to present you with the truth. Subscribe today to our digital edition at theepochtimes.com and join the Americans who are seeking truth and tradition. Read the difference in all your devices. We'd love to have you on board. Last year in Florida, there were 80,000 pregnancies terminated. And here's a sobering statistic. By midnight tonight, when most of us are sound asleep, another 219 precious boys and girls will have been killed in the state of Florida. I'm Mark Mink. I was conceived in an unplanned pregnancy. My teenage birth mother graciously placed me for adoption. Now I'm the state chairman for the Human Life Protection Amendment Citizen Initiative. Our mission is to amend the Florida Constitution through a grassroots citizen effort so the most victimized and vulnerable are protected. To accomplish this, we need almost 900,000 signatures from registered voters across the state of Florida by February 1st of 2024. 
with the bloodshed of the most precious happening on our watch. I'm asking for your help to build a wall of protection around these preborn lives, a constitutional wall of protection. Their very lives depend upon it. All right, and we're back. Thank you for the sponsors there for giving me uh, <clears throat> a break from my cough attack. <clears throat> All right, so here's the other thing I want to play, Captain. Cue up cut three. This is this is Biden, right? I want you to listen carefully, carefully to what he's saying here, what he's really saying, all right? Um, he's going to talk about how this is capitalism, all right? Capitalism. There's an important lesson here because we don't have capitalism in America. The government has taken over. It's crony capitalism. They've defiled it. They've destroyed capitalism. And they've ensured that it does not work. And then they blame capitalism to then make demands and justify just, you know, socialism, communism even, the seizing of the private sector. And by the way, what's going on here is remarkably similar to what happened in Venezuela. And it has me very, very concerned. Because Venezuela began with a bunch of run-on banks as well. It wasn't, it's not, it, it, it's not just, I, I mean, I, I just, I, it's like, you know, Captain, we should, we should get somebody from Venezuela on here. <laughs> I'd love to get their perspective, you know, and explain to people, because it's one thing for me to sit here and preach it, but you know, what do I know? I'm just a, you know, gringo who grew up in the greatest country in the history of the world, what do I know about uh, communism, right? I didn't live it, except we're all living it right now. Th this is the, this is kind of actually the late stages of the republic. I mean, this is not the beginning stages of our decline. It's actually the late stages. And the cancer is the Democratic Party and rhinos. But it's people that have imported and are preaching and propagating, proliferating all of these foreign ideologies and, and, and pitching them as if they have some kind of benefit when all they've done is killed people and created poverty everywhere in the world. And it's just, it's, it's picking up steam. And there's two realities in America, and it's very dangerous because, you know, anytime anything goes wrong, the left says, well, it's Trump's fault. I mean, they can't see clearly. They will, and, and that's, the, that's the challenge. I mean, until we can get a majority of Americans, a vast majority, to address what's going on in this country, we're doomed. And the other problem is you've got a big component of these lazy Zoomers out there that are the dumbest generation of Americans ever to be born in America. They're out there and they have a favorable view of socialism and communism. So, you know, pointing out that these guys are communists, that's like, gets cheers from these people. Yeah, communism. It's only killed 60 million people across the globe. Murders and, you know, so anyway. All right, play, play the cut, Captain. Third. Investors in the banks will not be protected. They knowingly took a risk, and when the risk didn't pay off, investors lose their money. That's how capitalism works. Except none of that's happening. That's right. In capitalism, you're free to make risks. And, you know, capitalism works because those risks have consequences. But these people at SVB Bank all knew good and well that they'd given enough money to the Democratic Party and that they depended, on, uh, depended upon them for resources that they knew they were going to get bailed out. 
So you don't have capitalism. No one suffered for this. Not a single person. They all got off scot-free. So that's not capitalism. It's not capitalism at all. So now they're going to redistribute our wealth again, and they're going to, well, you know, multi-multi-millionaires who are Democrat donors just got made whole. Just got made whole. Meanwhile, people who certainly can't put $250,000 even into a bank, we're getting hosed with energy costs. I mean, where's our bailout? Where's our bailout? You see how sick this party is? They present themselves as the champions of the poor, but really, they're the party that's actually uplifting the rich for their own benefit and their own gain. They don't care about the poor. They don't care about blacks. They don't care about anybody in this country but themselves and their own power. That's all you need to understand about the Democratic Party. Power. That's it. They'll step on you. They'll kill you. They'll stick fentanyl into your kids' arms and bodies. And they'll blame Republicans. Sick. Sick. Um, so, one more thing, Captain. Play cut six. Play cut six. I mean, this is the kind of crap. This is Jin Saki. This is the kind of crap. I can't believe they say this on TV. Like, this is, this is what a joke this president is. I mean, this imposter, you know, the one that sees the White House. The 2020 election was, uh, was not free and fair, by the way. I'm going to say that every episode, I think, because they don't want me to say it. They don't want me to say it. So go to hell. Shove it. Um, so play cut six, Captain. This is, this, is, this is how, this is what a leader Joe Biden is. I mean, I, I imagine saying this on national TV as if it's some compliment of Biden. Go ahead, Captain. Cut six. Go. Uh, and that's what people need to hear from him. Now, it's important to note, President Biden does nothing at 9 a.m. He is a night owl. So the fact that he is doing this at 9 a.m. anyway speaks to how uh, vital the White House recognizes it is for him to have his voice out there conveying that to the American public. All right, Steve Ratner, thank you very much. <laughs> He's, did you know that? Joe Biden's a night owl. He never does anything at 9 a.m. Never does it. You know, this is so bizarre because, look, we all know that as anybody gets older, you get up earlier. Anybody who has grandparents, no one's sleeping in. I mean, you, you get up real early, earlier and earlier, four o'clock sometimes. The older you get, this is a, this is a, not an inverse relationship. You know, the, the older you get, the earlier you wake up. So this idea that Joe Biden's, I mean, he might be a night owl if they're talking about walking in your sleep, right? I mean, the guy's got dementia wandering the halls at night like a zombie, you know, who knows, you know, sniffing portraits of young girls' hair, thinking it's real, who knows? Um, so anyway, I mean, it's, wow, this is really important because, you know, Joe Biden never does anything at 9 a.m. He, he's, it's too bad other people aren't up late because Joe Biden could give speeches at 2 a.m., 3 a.m., you know, he's up, he's alert. This is so I cannot take it with these people anymore. All right. So this is something the mainstream media, of course, the drive-bys, haven't mentioned a word about. While they are celebrating this looming indictment of Donald Trump, which is a joke, by the way. I'm going to get into it. I, I, I mean, maybe, I think you've probably heard of it because the left, all they're talking about it with, with, with such excitement. I mean, they're salivating as they discuss the fact that they're going to get Trump on the Stormy Daniels hush money. 
It's five years later. They couldn't get him five years ago, but now they're going to get him on it. They're going to get an indictment from a grand jury, a grand jury that could indict a ham sandwich. But anyway, so that's what they're focused on, right? And I'll explain it in a minute and destroy the stupid people on the left in a moment. But cue up cut four. So Comer, who's been looking into leading the investigation into the corruption, especially as it pertains to the Biden family and Chinese ties and Chinese money. Well, this is unbelievable. What you're going to hear Comer say on national TV right now is more damning than any lie they ever came up with about Donald Trump. And yet the media isn't even talking about this. Isn't even talking about this. Go ahead and play cut four, Captain. Go. A couple of weeks since we've spoken and you've been digging in on the business of the Biden family. What have you learned? Well, we've had a very good two weeks, Maria. We are finally having people cooperate with us. I think we all know the Biden administration stonewalling. Janet Yellen, Yellen is stonewalling, not turning over the, the bank violations. But fortunately, since we've last spoken, we actually have bank records in hand. We have individuals who are working with our committee. Uh, in the last two weeks, we've met with either these individuals personally or with their attorneys. Uh, and th that would be four individuals who had uh, ties in with the Biden family on their various schemes around the world. So now we have in hand documents that show just exactly how the Biden family was getting money uh, from the Chinese Communist Party. And, and I will tell you, it's as bad as we thought, Maria. It's very concerning. And, and in a way, I'm kind of glad that the, the Biden attorney, Abby Lowell, and the Biden administration has been stonewalling us because when I requested that information two weeks ago versus today because of what we have in hand now, uh, we have a lot stronger case in court for why we need these documents that the Biden family is withholding and that the government's withholding. So they have unintentionally helped our case in our quest to, to get these documents to where we can give the American people the truth and the transparency that they deserve uh, yeah. out of the, their leadership in Washington. Congressman, this is so extraordinary. This is the number one adversary of America, and you're telling us that the Biden family has accepted money. What does the CCP have on the Biden family? And is that the reason for the soft approach on China? We will slip in a short break, and then I want to get your take on what you are expecting uh, out of that upcoming hearing of the... I mean, think about what you just heard. Now, you heard for the past six years that Trump vaguely, nebulously, in a way they couldn't even explain, colluded with the Kremlin to steal the 2016 election. You heard that he committed some kind of quid pro quo, which wasn't a crime anyway, and he didn't do to begin with. That he's, you know, how dare he ask Zelensky to look into allegations that had been brought to his, to his attention about the firing of a prosecutor in Ukraine that was looking into his son's business dealings at Burisma. We have the insurrection lie. I mean, it's lie after lie. And here you have an investigation going on now into Joe Biden, in which he's got people who are actually have turned on the Bidens, who are providing actual evidence that can prove the connection can pr prove exactly how the Communist Chinese Party was paying Joe Biden, which the upshot, of course, is that we have a sitting president that is corrupt, that has been bribed by America's greatest enemy. 
and the media won't even touch the story. And I want you to think about this as we get into what's going on with this phony witch hunt, this absolute travesty, this injustice that they're pursuing out of the Manhattan office into Trump with this indictment into hush money. Now, they're talking about, of course, they're, they're, look, this goes back to, what, 2017, I think. They were saying that, you know, Donald Trump had paid Stormy Daniels $100,000 in order to keep her quiet, to keep this news of their affair from being printed in the tabloids. And they were saying that was a violation of campaign finance law. Now, that's not true. That's not true, firstly. Um, <clears throat> John Edwards... They tried to get John Edwards, if you remember, he was the vice presidential candidate, along with John Kerry years ago. In 2008, well, basically, he was caught uh, with a million dollars and using that money to try and pay off for the silence of a family he had birthed, uh, you know, know, for his, his baby mama to keep that out of the public's eye. And I'll get into that in a minute. But they're trying to say it's a campaign violence campaign finance violation. And by the way, when there are these kinds of campaign finance violation laws in the past, I mean, you've got AOC. I can go down the list of people who are guilty of these types of things. And all they do in the end is what? They just pay back the money. That's what ends up happening. Pay it to the campaign. But the thing about Trump is he funded his campaign himself. He funded his campaign predominantly with his own money. And so you can't say that he's abusing campaign finance laws by dipping into something else when there's no distinction between Trump's personal finances and his campaign finances. Do you understand that? So this is a joke, an absolute joke. And they don't care. They don't care that he didn't do it. They just want him to drop out of the race. They're trying to intimidate him. And, you know, you can hear, I mean, I'll tell you in a second. Cue up cut five, Captain. So before I play this clip, you know, I just, I just want to, I would just want to set the tone this way. Because you've got, you know, I, you know what's worse than a Democrat? It's a, it's a, the rhino. It's the rhino. These people have no honor. You know, I was watching The View. Well, I wasn't watching. I saw a clip from The View. And the girls are out there saying everyone needs to shut up on their side about Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Joe Biden's going to be the presidential candidate nominee. And, and, and Kamala's going to... You see how they, they just lift up their own? They rally around them. And then we've got cowards and losers like Asa Hutchinson, who's a man with no integrity, no virtue, and no principle. An absolutely despicable, lonely, fat, ugly loser of a human being. Who just wants to, I mean, and here's the thing. It's not like, you know, if DeSantis wanted to get in there and start bashing Trump, I would still have a problem with it. But I could understand somebody who's actually a presidential contender, right? Actually fighting somebody. But Asa Hutchinson, he's never going to be president. His political career's over. All he can do is go and sell weed uh, alongside John Boehner. That's his best hope for a future. Or maybe cheeseburgers, because he's so fat and ugly. Did I say that already? And here's the thing. I'm being mean, and, I, and I'm sorry. 
But these people have absolute contempt and hatred for you and me, and they use ridicule as a weapon all day long. So I don't care. If you're going to look like Asa Hutchinson and come out and fire shots, well, be prepared. Be prepared. When I see these people attacking Trump's image or something like that, no, 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 no. I'm not going to let them do it and sit there. I'm going to point out the fact that they look like they're one cheeseburger away from a heart attack. You know? Take the stick out of your own eye. All right. So Hutchinson, he says Trump should quit 2024 presidential race if he's indicted. Now, well, here we go. Donald Trump should quit the presidential race if he's indicted, one of the former Republican president's potential competitors says. Former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, who's considered a GOP presidential bid, LOL, said an indictment would be a distraction and Trump should end his campaign to recapture the White House if he's formally charged with a crime. So Hutchinson said he acknowledges that, you know, an indictment is not a conviction. All right. The, 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 let me explain what's going on right now. Alvin Bragg, what is he, the assistant DA or whatever he is there in Manhattan? Now, he chose not to pursue this criminal case against Trump based on finances related to, to, to the Trump organization. He put that away. And instead, he decided to pursue this path because they're just looking for the lowest hanging fruit. Now, Trump will be indicted. And it's not because he's guilty of anything. He'll be indicted because it's before a grand jury. And so what they're... Do you know how a grand jury works? It's, 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 just, it's just the mechanism that the federal government and Democrats and corrupt politicians are using to, to give the superficial image of wrongdoing. A grand jury... So you got 22 people from Manhattan who are a bunch of leftist Democrats... And they sit around in a classroom for six months or whatever, and they listen to prosecutors. No defense. You don't have a defense in in a grand jury setting. You have a bunch of prosecutors for the Biden administration, a bunch of left-wing lunatics who are behind Trump-Russia collusion and the rest, presenting a case to 22 people in Manhattan who are leftists, trying to convince them that Trump did something wrong. So this is why people say you can indict a ham sandwich in a grand jury. So once you get an indictment, that's like the impeachment, right? Articles of impeachment. Trump's not guilty, but we're now saying that the grand jury heard evidence from the prosecution, and we are recommending that this go to a criminal trial. That's what this is. But they know their base is stupid. So when they impeach Donald Trump, they understand that their base associates impeachment with guilt. It's not. It's not. You can impeach anybody for anything. And then he goes to the Senate, you have the trial, and he's rendered not guilty. So the, for the Democrats, you're not, you're not just guilty until proven innocent. You're guilty as long as they say so. It doesn't matter if you're proven innocent. Them saying you're guilty is guilt. That's it. That's how it works in the left's injustice system. So Hutchinson acknowledges, he says, it doesn't mean that he's guilty of it or he should be charged. But it's just such a distraction that would be unnecessary for somebody who's seeking the highest office in the land. You see? You see? They just... I mean, imagine imagine a Democrat coming out against Joe Biden and saying, yeah, I know there's nothing here, but I just, you know, if they, if they get the indictment, if they can just... I mean, just the accusation alone, Joe Biden should... You know, look, they haven't proven 
that Joe Biden's bought and paid for by the communist Chinese. But, you know, it's floating out there, so he shouldn't run. I mean, that's basically what Asa Hutchinson's saying. Except, of course, Joe Biden is guilty and Donald Trump's done nothing wrong. So here's MSNBC basically just coming out. This is some loser assistant uh, lawyer, DA. I don't I forget his name. Another white, bald guy um, with, with, with crazy eyebrows um, coming out and talking about why. Well, he's just telling, he's, he's coming out and saying, yeah, we know this is all a bunch of BS. Uh, but we just we just want to destroy Trump. Go ahead and play cut five, Captain. Go. Um, but here, I think what's going to happen is going to be much more explosive politically. Uh, it's going to completely change the game because once Trump is out of been indicted, I don't care what he says about still running for president. Being under a indictment is not a positive resume builder. Uh, and you're going to find that other people who've been holding back, uh, most notably Vice President Pence um, and uh, Mr. Pompeo and others, are suddenly going to dr- jump into the race because they're going to feel a lot more confident um, that they've got a chance. Because I think at that point, what U.S. senators, what congressmen are going to want to run for reelection in 2024 with the head of the ticket under indictment? I mean, it's not only unprecedented, but politically, it's going to be disastrous um, for the rest of the ticket, right down to dog catcher. That's it. You see, a Trump presidency. They, they, they. Despite you know, this is the thing I keep coming back to. The Democrats claim right that 2020 was the freest and fairest election in history. They claim that Biden got the most votes of any Demo- any president in American history. That's how popular he was and how unpopular Trump was. And yet the Democrats are terrified of Trump running for re-election in 2024. In fact, every ounce of their energy is spent trying to prevent him from running for office again. And so there he is admitting it. Yeah, we just want to we just want to get an indictment even if it's a grand jury because we can say Trump's indicted. They're going to say a, a felon is running for office. That's the talking point. This is the kind of crap they do in third world countries. This is what they're doing. So Nick Ackerman, that's that loser's name. <clears throat> Very smart lawyer there. Um, so anyway, so, so you, you, you heard it there. Now, again, this hush money crap, this has already been, I mean, there's so many things that are stupid about this. There was, I mean, the hush money thing. Let, let, let me just point it this way. John Edwards, he was indicted, right, indicted on campaign finance charges back in 08, 09, maybe it was 2000, no, 2011. So let me just read this from the Washington Post. Former vice presidential nominee John Edwards was indicted Friday on charges of using illegal campaign donations to conceal his mistress from voters. A stunning fall from grace for a politician once considered a serious contender for the White House. The indictment triggered immediate criticism from a range of campaign finance and legal experts who said the government's case is unprecedented and appears weak. They questioned whether it would survive the fierce defense being mounted by Edwards. Now, ultimately, this 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 was a, a hung jury. And actually, the charge that they made that did end up going to a, a court about a campaign, illegal campaign donation, it was actually shot down. He was found not guilty on it. And, and what I mean, if John Edwards was found not guilty for what he did, I mean, 
It's insane. I mean, this guy, this guy solicited nearly $1 million in illegal contributions from political donors. This is, it's not only beyond the $2,500 or whatever that's allowable for this, but it was other people's money. But defense lawyers, I mean, I mean, so the payments covered Hunter. That's the last name of the woman he was banging on the side. Hunter's living, medical, and other expenses are at the heart of the dispute. Prosecutors say they were campaign contributions because they were meant to prevent Edwards' 2008 presidential bid from collapsing in the affair. So the big argument they make is, well, look, Trump made these campaign, made these, you know, paid her off because, um, you know, in order to prevent it from harming his, his, you know, campaign or his, his presidential ambitions. But you could also argue that he just didn't want it to be an issue for his family. He was trying to protect himself from damage done to his family. So the point is, there's no case here. And it's not going to, there's not going to be a conviction, but they just want this indictment. And you've got, I played for you the clip of what just, what, what was just said about Comer's investigation with the Bidens in China. And that's a huge bombshell. And speaking of campaign finance violations, so they want to claim that $100,000 paid in hush money. Well, that's a big problem. Well, how about the corporate media that's in the tank for the Democratic Party and Joe Biden? How about the campaign violation of them suppressing damaging stories to their candidate? So Trump has a problem. He's this big criminal because he paid off a woman $100,000 to shush because it would damage him. And yet the Democratic Party, they don't have to pay for this, essentially, because the media does it for him all day long. The FBI does it. The intelligence community does it. They suppress the Hunter Biden laptop story. How about that campaign contribution? How about the FBI and the Democratic Party going to Twitter and Facebook and censoring political dissent, working with them to silence voices of opposition? How about that campaign contribution? You see how they do this all day long, and that's the real criminality, attacking our First Amendment right, for example, in order to insulate themselves from damage? That's the real fraud and the real scam and the real illegality but there, here they go, going after Trump. Going after Trump. It's always just, we got to get Trump. It, 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 and just the hatred that these people have, it's concerning. It's concerning. You hear you have Jane Fonda talking about, you know, encouraging violence against people on the right. I mean, this is the thing. Everything's a projection. And, and they are everything they claim we are. That's just the Marxist game. That's the Marxist game. So anyway, well, that was an informative show, Captain. Look. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. We've got a lot of great programming up ahead. Like I said, you've got the Zelenko report coming up and Vandersteel. We've got uh, Loaded Mike, which really focuses on the Second Amendment, which is huge because we know the Democratic Party and the Biden administration are still trying to go after the Second Amendment right through back channels. They're very upset that Visa and MasterCard refused to comply with Democrat demands to tar- to tag uh, you know, with certain information, any gun purchases to track you, make you a bad guy. So I tune into that big deal. Patriot Review, Everything Home, Inconvenient Truth, the newest show in addition, I believe, uh, to the, the Right American Media Home. So don't, don't, don't miss that. It's been great to be with you. Thank you for bearing with my voice. I'll probably have none now. And um, as I say, God bless you all. This is Drew Allen, your millennial minister of truth. And until next time. Talk to my friend Drew Allen. I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. One of the great 
young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen has died hard conservative to this guy for wisdom.